On this episode, Dude and Brett celebrate Bottledom Bond Day by talking about the history of the Bottledom Bond Act and diving into some E.H. Taylor single barrel and E.H. Taylor small batch. Find out what we think on this episode of The Bourbon Hunters. But before we get started, do you like our podcast? Do you like bourbon gear? Visit our website at www.bourbonhunters.com to check out our bourbon shirts and try out a Bourbon Hunter Kinsey Dram. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us on our hunt for great bourbon. Reward yourself and sit back, grab a pour, kick up your feet, and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Hunters. I am Drew Poole. I'm joined by Brett Bryan. And today we are celebrating Bottled and Bond Day, March 3rd. So every year on March 3rd, uh, starting all the way back in, uh, what was it, 1897, which was uh, a Wednesday. Oh. Uh, they uh, celebrate Bottled and Bond Day. And you know who the big pusher of the Bottled and Bond Act was? Was that uh, Colonel Sanders or? I think it was. It was oh, okay. It, well, it might have been his cousin, Colonel Taylor. Oh, that colonel. I get my colonels mixed yeah. up. Yeah. Well, they just hand out those uh, monikers to anyone in Kentucky who is uh, semi-famous. So it's not an actual army or military thing. So, um, all right. So let's, uh, do you know what the E.H. stands for? In Ernest e- Hemingway. No, E.H. E- e- Taylor? No clue. It's Edmund Haynes. Edmund Taylor. Haynes. I did not know that. So, um, so while we're on the show today, we will be drinking E.H. Taylor small batch, and we'll be having E.H. Taylor single barrel, uh, just to kind of help celebrate the uh, bottled and bond. We'll talk about what bottled and bond is, what it takes to be bottled and bond, kind of the history of <clears throat> you know how uh, bottled and bond came to be. And uh, I don't know if we uh, talk bread into it. Maybe we'll jump into some other bottled and bonds that I have in the back room. Who knows? Yeah, it says right here. If, if we're feeling frisky, Edmund Haynes. Yep. Yeah. So, what have you been up to, man? We haven't recorded in a couple of weeks here. Um, I just planned a new vacation, which I'm really excited oh, about. Yeah. yeah um, booked a trip to Iceland. Nice. So this is definitely kind of a bucket list trip for me. Checking that one off. Going to live in a camper van for six days. Now, does Iceland fall into the U.S. national park system? It does not. Oh, because I know you're trying to get to all the U.S. Yes. national parks. Yeah, um, it does not. I think Iceland is part of Scandinavia. I could be wrong. Like those Scandinavian well, it's not regions. not Scandinavian. It's definitely scandalous. It is scandalous. Lots of people wear uh, like bodysuits there, I've heard. Very scandalous. I've heard that nudity is very common there because there's lots of hot springs that you can get in. And they're, they're like very warm. They're like 100 degrees um, hot springs, right? And I guess just like nudity is just... Like it's just common to get in there nude. Um, but they're very big on, um, how do I want to say this? Like you can't urinate in public. You have to use facilities, all of that. Even with camping, it's very frowned upon to like pop out of your van and like pee on the side of the road. Um, not to say that I'm against doing that personally, but I think if a police, whatever their police system is, like you can get a big fine for it. And speeding, I guess, is a huge ordeal. What's the thought process behind that? Are they thinking that it's ruining the environment? What are I, they yes, they're big environmentalists there. 
and and pee is so unnatural that I it, think it's like getting into the water is what they're worried about. Which I mean, so they want their water supply to stay very natural. And yes, un untainted. Yes, because from what I've read, if you want, you can pretty much go into any like um, natural spring or whatever, fill up your water bottle, and just go and just be able to drink it. Fine, no purification, no filtration, nothing. I wonder how Americans who have nothing but crazy filtered water would react to that. I think I'm going to try it. Um, you might want to do it middle of the trip so that you can wash not shit my pants and, everywhere. Well, on an airplane, I mean. Yeah, that too. You Good don't want point. to be on an airplane and have to go to shit every five minutes. Yeah, that's a so. horrible feeling, pooping on a plane. Yes. There's a song about that. No, that's uh, <laughs> Drunk on a Plane. Drunk on a Plane. Same, very similar. But very excited to do that, staying at multiple campsites, seeing waterfalls, volcanoes, snorkeling, hot springs... There's, you're going in September? Yeah, end of September. What's the temperature supposed to be like around that time? I think it stays like 50s all the time, Fahrenheit, all, obviously. All year round. All, it, I, so they get some pretty harsh winters. So when you snorkel, are you wearing a wetsuit then? Yeah, wetsuit, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The water stays pretty chilled. Right, okay. I find it interesting that Iceland is mostly green and Greenland is mostly ice. That was the Vikings that did that, is from my understanding. They did that to like just fuck with people because the Vikings were like that. That's what I learned in like history, like world history. Do you not remember that? I've never been taught that ever. Yeah, I was taught that that was from the Vikings, that they did that to like um, deter people away from Iceland. Because it was such a nice place. Yeah, that's why they called it Iceland and they called Greenland Greenland. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, you can Google that, listeners, but I swear that is what I was taught I mean, in history if that, class. If they're the ones who did it, then fucking jokes on yeah. us because it's worked for years. <laughs> I mean... I think people still get surprised to this day that to find out Iceland is actually green. Yes. And then Greenland's actually icy. Full of ice, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So very yeah, excited about that. If you ever that. look on like Google Earth at, at Greenland, like there's only like maybe four cities there. Yeah, there's not there's shit there. There's a few there. little villages and stuff, but there's like four cities. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Like there, it looks so un uninhibitable. Iceland un only has like... Uninhabitable. An uninhabitable, yeah. Iceland only has one major city, and I can never say it right, but it's like Reykjavik, Reykjavik or, or something of that nature. You may have said it correctly. I, I truly know. don't know. It's know. it's like a bunch of J's and K's, and yeah. it's very odd. Lots of consonants there. Um, yeah, and they just throw them together with no with no break <laughs> with vowels. I ate some vowels. Which reminds me, I uh, ate a crap ton of uh, vegetable soup the other day, and I had the biggest vowel movement I've ever had. Oh, my. <laughs> Lots of O's in there, uh, A's and O's. I figured you'd enjoy that. Uh, I did enjoy that, that joke. Yes, you, you that's like fantastic. That. I do. Um, so uh, anyway, I just got done with the Arnold. The Arnold. The Arnold. You helped out. I did. Um, I actually passed Arnold. I wow. saw him. Yeah, I saw him, and and his uh, and he was in the Go Ruck is where I saw huge. him. Oh, he was in the Go Ruck. He was in the Go Ruck right beside us. He walked through, watching people that. pick up the tombstones because I saw a bit of a ruckus. I can't remember. You may have been warming up for your competition. Uh, that might have been why. But I saw a bunch of just like ruckus, and I, and I thought someone got hurt honestly yeah. because there were all these people. I'm like, what is going on? And it may have been Mo. He was like Arnold's over there, and I was like, oh. And then I saw his like entourage kind of go through. Oh yeah. Through. So when I was, I saw like two people come through. They're always dressed in camo. Mm -hmm. And then I saw Arnold like right after the other two, and he had a huge smile on his face. I was about to say something, then like five more people just came flying around the corner, like they had lost their positioning or something, <laughs> and then like pushed me out of the way. I was like, all right, whatever. I'm not going to worry about right. it. Right. So. 
But uh, yeah, so that was cool. Uh, I see him every year. Um, I've gotten a picture with him a couple times, and this year he didn't stop by our booth exactly like he normally does. But um, he does love selfies. Like he's always yes. willing to do a selfie with oh, people. Oh yeah, and he and he'll do. He usually comes into our event in the middle of mm-hmm. a heat and interrupts it. I know, and it's usually a timed competition. So like yes. he's always like, and he doesn't know, so he's just jumping. He's like, in. yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of funny, but. Um, which, you know, I don't expect him to understand how our event runs. Right. He doesn't ask us. So it's not, well, there's like he so would many things going on at the Arnold. Now there's so many events. Oh, yeah, and... There was world chase tag beside us, which was, which was so funny. Awesome. And it's basically parkour tag yeah. with teams. And, uh, it was, it was pretty funny. So there was a guy next door and, and they were testing things out on Wednesday and Thursday. And, and their mic guy was basically just every, every like 20 seconds he would go, 10 seconds and so uh i started doing it with our pa system and we pointed all our speakers toward them and then after about 10 minutes of it he comes over and he's like what you know he knew we were fucking yeah he didn't he wasn't mad he was just like what the hell's going and then he saw that we were drinking bourbon because middle west spirits sponsored our media booth and uh, he saw that we were drinking bourbon he's like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. what's going on over here and i I was like grab a cup man join Mm -hmm. us so he sat down with us for like 20 minutes oh that's great shot the shit and then when we were packing everything up on sunday he was over there drinking with us and hanging out and we gave him a bottle of oh uh, fantastic rye so this is the other thing so middle west spirits along with all the other stuff they gave us some props uh and uh one of those props was we had six barrels Mm -hmm. four short barrels and two 53 uh barrels and they were all just recent uh rye dumps that they had done and they just gave them to us to put like around the the media area and we put them beside the step and repeat and a couple other places and and uh we decided to look, and we took one of the bungs out because they bung at the top. Mm-hmm. So we took one of the bungs out, and we're looking inside with our camera, um, like our flashlight. Uh, flashlight. Yeah. And you could see a reflection. We're like, what the hell? There's actually still bourbon or, or whiskey in the bottom of this. So uh, on Saturday, uh, Martel brings a drill, <laughs> and we put two drill holes in it. One, you know, They're both in the apex of the curve on the side, uh-huh. and we prop it up on a chair, and then we drill a, an air hole, and then we tilt it down, and we, we filled up... Just from that one barrel, we filled up two and a half bottles worth of rye whiskey. That makes me intrigued the process of when they're doing barrel dumps. Well, I wonder because they do a top bung. And if you know, you know, like how the barrel is shaped. Yeah. They put the, they usually put the bung right in the apex of the curve. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you do a top bung, you don't have that. So when they tip it over, does it not all get out? It must. I mean, I'm you guessing I'm it's saying? staying like on the the outer on the periphery outer, edge. Yeah, it. Right. That's so. That's what I'm thinking too. But to think then, two and a half bottles right. is a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I it mean, was so we we the one that we did on Saturday. I brought home. I have a hydrometer because yes, I'm a nerd, and I put I put it in the hydrometer or I put the hydrometer into a sample, and it was 120 proof. And it was like filled with sediment and stuff in it, in it, but it's dark. It was like dark as coffee. It looked so good. Have we, you filtered it at all with like a cheesecloth or anything? No, I haven't because I didn't care. Yeah. Um, and it, it was so good. We drank it. it I tasted so some of it on Saturday and it was very like viscous, viscous very nice mouthfeel, right? tongue coating on it. And it was good, wasn't it? It was very good. I agree. And it I was, was surprised. For 120 proof, it didn't taste like what we just had as a primer was mm-hmm. 120 proof. That tasted hotter. Oh, I agree. Ate, than what we than uh, the completely the rye whiskey um, that I had, so that was really cool. That was kind of fun, um, but yeah. So uh, the Arnold, you know, it's come and gone now. We uh, we had a pretty good event. There was some kind of you know sniping from a couple of gyms around the, the state 
because we changed the format a little bit this year. And I feel like it was pretty short-sighted. I, I'm a little irritated that those people didn't come and try it out. Yeah. Because everyone who did it this year was just destroyed by the workout. I mean, it was it, we had a good group of people. We actually had, uh, I had said 150% online, but we were actually 200% of what we were last year. Wow. So we only had like 70 people sign up last year. 71, I think it was, or 70, what was it? Uh, it would have to be divided by uh, four. So... 72 or 74 or something like that. Um, so, uh, how did Sunday's workout go? By the way, we had 72 people signed up last year and, uh, this year we had over uh, 140. Damn. So that's 200%. I said 150. It was 200% of what we had last year. And, uh, we were, we had so much success on the registration that we were able to pay out $3,600 in cash prizes. So the first place teams on Sunday, both got a thousand, Wow. Uh, the first place teams, there was three of them on Saturday, got 400. Um, and then the first place teams on uh, Friday, which were individuals, just got 200. Mm-hmm. But that was double their money. They like yeah. paid 100 to be in it. And then and if they did the early bird, they got uh, more money out of it. Um, and uh, they ended up getting, uh, you know, 200 back. So, you know, plus they got a whole bunch of stuff from GoRuck and, and like different things from Element and and uh, places like that. The volunteers that volunteer for more than one day got a pair of shoes from GoRuck. Yeah, I got a free pair of shoes for volunteering. I don't have them on, obviously. Oh, you point um, feet, so. I just like, oh, they go on my feet. But I got a <laughs> pair of GoRuck shoes. And I mean, I like them. I'll be honest. I would have never probably thought to go to GoRuck to buy shoes. Right. And I, I wouldn't have either, but mine are comfortable. I agree. Yeah, I, I like them. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna wear them. I'm, once they break in, I'm going to try to wear them in some workouts and see yeah. how they fit. But I liked them a lot. I've been um, casually wearing them right now to try and break them in. Yeah, so we were we were even able to pay out a few of the volunteers who have done stuff for the the last like with us for ten years or so. Like this was our tenth year of running it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was only our ninth event because COVID was ca- canceled yep. one of the years in twenty twenty one. So it was the ninth time we've run it. It was the tenth year technically, um, and uh, so there were a couple people that have done it from the start, and we paid a few of them out. Uh, we've never been able to do that because we've never had That's money great. afterwards. Yeah. Um, now we have no money now but <laughs> because like, of that. Right. No. But, but like, but my point is we were able to do some cash prizes. We were able to pay out a couple of our volunteers that have been longstanding volunteers that we wanted to make sure got something. I didn't get shit. No, I'm kidding. You did. I'm good. You did not. Um, but you also weren't there on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I have more than I need. No, like we're talking about people that were there Wednesday to set up Thursday to set up. We're there all weekend and helped us tore down on, on Sunday. That's, and honestly, that's That's the stuff like the behind the scenes stuff of like putting that rig up, tearing that rig down. That's, that's the hard grunt work. Man, I didn't get home on Sunday until 7 30 PM. I got, we got the, we had a 26 foot budget van that we rented to Mm -hmm. get all the equipment there. And uh, so we got it all in one trip, which was nice, which is different than previous years. We've had to take multiple trips Mm -hmm. in previous years. Um, So we filled up a 26-foot budget van, got it all home to the gym Um, at 7. My wife and Brylan and his girlfriend came and met me at the gym. I told everyone else to just go home because they had done so much. They met me at the gym. We got the the truck unloaded in a half hour. I got home around 7.30, 7.40, and uh, she had gotten me some dinner. And uh, I ate some some food, um, sent out a couple emails and checked a couple of things, and then went up, took a shower, and I I cashed out. Fucking crashed, I bet, man. I'm still. It today is Tuesday, and I'm still exhausted. Yeah, today's Tuesday, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm still <laughs> exhausted. Like it's. I think it's going to take till Thursday for me to get back to normal. 
But uh, yeah, so let's get into some of this uh, EH Taylor. You want to start with the small batch? Yeah, let's start with the small batch. So the nice thing about this, I'll let you pour it out while I talk about this stuff. So this is EH Taylor. This is a product of Buffalo Trace Distillery. Uh, they are 100 proof. And um, why we're doing that today is that E.H. Taylor was a huge, huge uh, proponent of the Bottled and Bond Act. And uh, there were some selfish reasons for that, but there was also some consumer protection reasons for that. So, um, you know, basically, um, you know, what happened was is you had a lot of, of uh, what they called them rectifiers back in the day. People that would come and uh, they would basically, um, you know, adulter these these whiskeys. So they would take these grain spirits and and uh, instead of doing you know what everyone else was doing by aging them in, in barrels and getting them to you know turn brown over time with you know wood interaction with the wood and stuff, they would make it look that way by and taste that way by adding things like iodine, um, formaldehyde, uh, tobacco spit, uh, glycerin. <laughs> Um, Could you imagine being the guy? They're like, "Hey, Jim, go spit in this barrel," and they like just give him a wad of tobacco, and he's just like over there spitting right, but in I mean, it. That, but that's could you? <laughs> but could you? I, that's one thing. But could you imagine being the one who ends up drinking this well, yeah. and then dying? Agree of rot gut. So like, so people were dying from drinking. There's like arsenic in it or some yeah, shit too. Was, I think. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, from out of Heidi. I mean, shit. Oh my god. But like, but you didn't know what you were getting back then, right? Because they would just put it in a barrel, prop the barrel up. You know, they put it in a barrel that already had a barrel head of some other thing, like Old Crow or something mm-hmm. else. And then they'd prop that up on the bar, and then you'd order it, and then you'd die <laughs> if you drank enough. But but you didn't, you know. How are you supposed to know? Right. You had no way to know. That was That's the whole point. And so to protect the consumers, they pushed f- forward with this Bottled and Bond Act. And, uh, you know, basically what the Bottled and Bond Act does is the the bourbon had to be bottled. It had to be 100 proof. It had to be from a single uh, distilling season, from a single distillery. And then it had to be kept in a federally, federally bonded warehouse uh, under a government uh, you know watcher, basically, for a minimum of four years. So if you get something that's bottled and bond, it has to be 100 proof. It has to be at least four years old. It can be older than that. Enter uh, Henry McKenna, ten year. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a bottled and bond as well, um, and it has to have a tax stamp on it uh, that basically shows that it uh, is that bottled and bond. Uh, that's kind of the certification that it's bottled and bond, but it has to also be in a bottle. So I mean, that's hence the bottled in bond. So the bond is you know is federally bonded warehouse. Uh, bottled means it couldn't be in a in a you know. Uh, uh, a barrel where it could be adulterated from the time it left the warehouse to the point where it might show up on a shelf had to be in a bottle that was sealed with a tax stamp. And uh, so that was the thing that kind of protected people uh, as a consumer. And in fact, from what I understand uh, from the book that I read that was called uh, uh, bourbon justice, mm-hmm. um, it basically claims that that's the first uh, food protection act oh. in the country. Wasn't there something with the keys it's like a government official had well, to have the yeah, keys. So, well, that's kind of the larceny story, right? Yeah. So the guy uh, for what that larceny is named after, like uh, if you look at the picture and the stuff, like on the, the keyhole and stuff. Yeah, too. that's that was a guy who was a bottled and bond agent, mm-hmm. and he was a bonded warehouse guard, and he was basically stealing some of the barrels <laughs> and and selling them and stuff like that. So it was obviously there were some corrupt people that happened. 
uh, to come across all that stuff. As with anything. Yeah. I mean, sure. Just There's like, someone at Apple stealing computers and selling them, well, like guaranteed and phones and everything. Although most of the things, from what I understand, are designed to not work past a certain range outside of the outside of the Apple store. That's why they let people just take off and run with them. Oh, that's funny because they, they won't work. Because they won't work. That's from my understanding. So That's funny. Yeah. So um, the other thing that's interesting about uh, Bottled and Bond is, you know, everyone talks about the consumer protection portion of it. But the other thing is Colonel E.H. Taylor was pretty pissed off that all of these, uh, you know, rectifiers were stealing some of their business with a shitty product. Mm Mm-hmm. So he was trying, and not only was he doing this Bottled and Bond Act to protect consumers, that was, I think, a secondary thing for him. I think he was, from what I understand, more than anything else, trying to get rid of that competition that was stealing some of their business. So that was, that was the main motivator from my understanding. Um, now, again, someone can check me on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you know, think about this. You're creating grain spirits. You're skipping the aging process. You're adding, you know, I'm doing air quotes, aging <laughs> with, you know, tobacco and iodine and all those things to make it look like an aged product. And you're skipping, you know, what makes it a good product. So that was giving you an advantage over people like, you know, E.H. Uh, e. Taylor, who was, you know, creating the old Taylor bourbon at the time. When they're not putting the time into it, you yeah. know, like right. you can, you can pop, boom, get your product out there tomorrow, next right. day. Um, so, you know, the, the secretary of treasury at the time was John G. Carlisle. So they kind of uh, teamed up together to, to get this pushed through and passed by, uh, uh, by Congress. Um, but yeah, so let, let's go ahead and dive into this EHL. This is the small batch here? Yes. So you chose small batch. All right. Let's go ahead and nose into it, and we'll talk a little bit more about this here uh, shortly. I love the nose on E.H. Taylor. Immediately, it's like it's like a butter bomb. Yeah, there's a lot of a buttery. Yeah, That's I why I that. love E.H. Taylor. It's... Um, it's one of my favorite Buffalo Trace products. And I like the packaging on it too. It comes in this nice little like cardboard cylinder type thing. It's, you know, it's a little different in that sense. Comes off vanilla, like vanilla butter. Yeah, I get that for sure. Um, definitely buttery. I feel like I can almost like smell the uh, uh, viscosity almost. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just, it, maybe that's just implied from the butter smell to me, but all right, let's dive into this. Last time I had this like this was uh, AJ's uh, bachelor party when I pretty much killed a whole bottle by myself, I think. I love E.H. Taylor. I mean, I did have some It's help. delicious. I did have some help, but... Oh, yeah, it is delicious. This is good. Damn, this is really good. I don't visit it a lot, only because I don't have... I think I have... You don't have the 20 bottles that I have? No. <laughs> I think I have one open and one unopened is all that I have. I mean, seriously, we went to Buffalo Trace on AJ's bachelor party weekend. They were selling it. I know. I bought four like, I bottles. wasn't there. I got four bottles because no one, no wanted one else them. wanted it. So I, I was know. like, I'm taking yours, I'm taking yours, I'm taking yours. I'm like, you guys, they had no idea. They had no idea. Like, not that any of them would know enough to even turn around and flip it. And that's not what I do anyway. I just drink them. But, right. But like. Just to have on your shelf at home. Yeah. It's I, a great bottle for right. that. I've got this here and I think I've got five more in the back. That's fantastic. So. I know what I'm dipping into next time. Right. <laughs> I, I, it's, that's why I have it, man. It's good. I don't mind. That's why I drink it. 
That's why I drank it. Um, so let's just kind of re go over the uh, what it takes because I kind of glossed over what it takes to be bottled and bond. Uh, so the bottled and bond act is uh, from the year of 1897. So if you do like the whiskey row uh, mm-hmm. series, oh yeah, that's their 1897 year is a bottled and yeah, bond. That's to right. Commemorate that as well. I never put those two together. You didn't. So they have 1910, 1920, yeah. 1870, and 1897. 1870 is the original batch. That's when they started. Yes. 1910 was the fire, the I fire, believe, yep. where they had to barrel it again. Yep. 1920 was how it prohibition. was when it went into Prohibition. 1897 was their commemoration of the Bottled and Bond Act. Maybe I just forgot that 1897 was the year. Um, yeah. So, um, that went I into. mean, if, if you've ever, and we we have a whole Whiskey Row series episode that was just recently released. It was a... That was a fun episode, that was, too. But if you go back and listen to that, the whole point of the Whiskey Row series, it's separate from their regular offerings. Uh, and it's basically a way for them to tell the history of the Old Forester brand through the years and the changes of whiskey as they happened. And so that's what the 1870, the 1897, the 1910, and the 1920 all mean. Mm-hmm. Even though they didn't come out in that order. Uh, 1910 was their last one. Um, they did 1920 before that. But still, I mean, it was a, it's a really neat idea. I don't know if Jackie's I Can came up with that idea. Or if it was a you know. know a think tank or what, but uh, it was a really good idea. Agree. Um, and they call that their whiskey row series. So all the ones that have dates on them, that's what that refers to. Um, on that quick topic, and then I don't want to segue too much, but I was at uh, Kona Grill in Bridge Park yeah. the other day. I, I went. They have a really good um, bourbon butter or something or another. I forget the name of it. It's a really good drink. Oh, the old fashioned that they do. Yes. Yeah. It's like a it's a butter washed. Yeah, something of that nature. It's a fat-washed butter, basically old-fashioned. It's very good. Yeah. And so usually, like, if I'm going to, like, Kitchen Social, I'll go there and have a drink while I'm waiting for my table at Kitchen Social. Oh, yeah. Because they're never too busy there. That's a good idea. But the one guy sits down and he goes, let me get an Old Forester Prohibition. And I was like, what? <laughs> I knew what he meant. Yeah, I knew what he I meant, mean, but it was just funny. Label, so yeah. if, if you don't... If you're not in the forums and stuff like yeah. that, you would just say 1920 Old right. Forester. But like, yeah, I mean, that's the same thing. I, he's not wrong. He was wrong because he got it over ice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, Drink it the way you want. Yeah. yeah. It's a higher proof, so it makes sense to put yeah, that on ice. Especially if you're trying to, you know, spread it out a little bit so you're yeah. not drinking it all quickly. So anyway, back to this. Uh, Bottled and Bond is 1897 is when it started. Um, to be labeled as bottled and bond or bonded, uh, the spirit must be a product of one distillation season and one distiller at one distillery. It must be bottled and stored in federally bonded warehouse under the U.S. government supervision for no less than four years. The bottled products label must identify the distillery by DSP number, where it was still distilled, and if different, where it was bottled. So most bonded spirits are, are traditionally whiskey, whiskeys, um, but you can have like a rye. It doesn't have to be a bottled and bond bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Old Overholt, for example, is, is bottled and bond, and it's a rye whiskey. Um, but generally, for the most part, when you think of bottled and bond, you think of bourbon. Do you think this is E.H. Taylor's actual signature on here? People don't, don't sign things like this anymore. I feel like back That's in like the day, calligraphy. they just did like, uh, like a scribble. Yeah. Like you might have a big E and a big H and then the rest of it's a screen. I mean, this is though, that's, that looks like calligraphy to me. Not to be sexist, but that looks like a girl's handwriting. I just, it's the, the loops. It does look like calligraphy. You're right. You know what I mean? Like it's the way the E loops around to the H and then the Taylor. 
I, it's a beautiful signature. It I'm is just amazing. Very if intrigued. If it really is his signature, I'd be, I'd be. That's surprised. why he's a colonel. Maybe was his signature alone. Maybe that's why he was branded a colonel because he what had the came best first, the colonel or the signature. Yeah. It, it, well, maybe the colonel came because of the signature. So maybe. I mean, that's a good question. I honestly, it is pretty silly. Like that is a. It's almost an it's very over the eccentric, top, isn't it? It's a very over the top signature. If he and from what I know of him, he was a pretty pompous fucking guy. Well, this is his picture. He looks like a prick. But he also. But, well, here's the thing. He was kind of a prick. I'm okay like, with it. No, I am too because it led to bottle and bomb. Yeah. But like. And it basically saved whiskey. I mean, really, mm-hmm. because it was going down a dark hole where people were getting afraid to drink that stuff. So, from what I understand, he went like bankrupt two or three times. That's why he has that, uh, like Castle and Key is his old distillery. Yeah. Buffalo Trace was his old distillery. Like he would build a distillery, do so much, get in so much debt that he would start doing some shisty things like selling barrels to multiple people. And then whoever came to pick them up first would take them. We'll and then them. other so other people would come to get them. And they're like, oh, we don't have them for you anymore. And then he'd basically have to go on the run. He'd go out of state oh God. until his debts were settled or like, you know, dissolved or whatever, you know, uh, yeah. statute of limitations type mm-hmm. of thing. And then he would come back to Kentucky and start a new uh, distillery. So, I mean, that's my understanding of it. And I just think that's crazy. You never hear that side of the story from Buffalo Trace, obviously. Right. But uh, you hear that from, you know, other people in the industry. Um, I'd like to, it, it'd be so interesting to know how true that really is. I want to know too, there's a phone number on here and it says, we'd love to hear from our customers. I don't think he is still alive. You're not <laughs> I just want to know what you get. Like, oh. is it, I want to hear like this automated, like, I wish, I wish I had the connection on here where you could attach a phone <laughs> and call and we could just call and see what it is. Cause you know, it's some kind of automated, obviously thing. It's not like a true representative from Buffalo it's Trace. Colonel Taylor's like great aunt or great uh, niece or something like that. Hello. <laughs> Hello. This is Margaret. <laughs> Margaret Taylor. Uh, I'm just, I just, I'm so want to know like what they say, like <laughs> Margaret Taylor, because <laughs> she never, you know, took anyone else's. Oh name no, when she got married. No, no, yeah, fair enough. She wanted to keep her own name. Yeah, I mean, it's with that kind of history. Why wouldn't you? Um, so, what do you, what do you take on the, uh, on the taste hole of this one? I still get that. Um, there's still a buttery toffee flavor for me. Yeah, toffee I've, is that's a good one. That's I've always really loved E.H. Taylor from the very first time that I ever tried it. I was like, oh. I really like this. Why haven't I had this before? And it's like, because I can't find it. That's why I haven't had it before. Yeah. And for those of you who have never had it before and you're looking for it, it's shit. You don't want it. You don't want it. Just, I wouldn't even look for it. Just, just save it for other people. Cause you don't. You yeah. Know. You're not going to appreciate it. I, it's, it's not going to be very good. We like it because our taste buds suck, but, uh, and we just don't appreciate it. I mean, I like the taste of dog poop is why I like it. So right. that's you know. what I was. Yeah. I was yeah, going to yeah. go with that. It's like butter toffee dog poop. Yeah. If you put, if you put a, uh, a butterfinger on a dog turd and ate it. That's probably the same. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's probably the way I would do it as well, I guess. A little crunchy. Yeah. Um, so do I you, like it. I like this a lot. Have they, or do they disclose or is it disclosed anywhere? How many barrels are in their small batch? Because there is no definition for it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and you know, it's interesting. I was wanting to do another back to basics bourbon boot camp episode. Mm-hmm. And talking about little things like that in the industry, like single barrel versus small batch versus other stuff. And and we touched on that in the original episode that we did. Um, but no, there's no 
There's nothing in the industry that defines what a small what needs to happen for it to be small batch. You can right. use ten thousand barrels to or make a, four barrels to make a mixture and call it small batch, right? Because well, I mean, it's not our twelve thousand barrel normal, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's two thousand barrels less, yes. Um, but what's small batch to Buffalo Trace is probably going to be a lot different than what's small batch to Jephthah Creed, which is different than yeah. you know all the other ones like all those craft distilleries and stuff like that. So it's all going to be you know. It's a very consistent taste profile. It is. I would agree with that. And uh, that, again, to this day, knowing how things can change season to season, knowing how things can change from the aging process or the maturing, you know, maturation process of whiskey, how that actually happens, it just blows me away. Because I know it's the same mash bill. I get that it's, you know, the same, consi- they're pretty damn consistent, you know scientifically with absolutely from batch to batch um it blows me away that they can come up with such a consistent product with so many variables out there such as like you know where the trees grew up that were used for the barrel that shit's crazy you know like that that alone makes a difference and then you know i know that everyone says like what is it like 60 percent of the flavor comes from the wood i don't think i can't imagine that's actually true that seems like a. I think I think sixty percent of the flavor might come from the actual uh, sugars that are created from the the charring of the wood, maybe. But I feel like most of the flavor is coming from the yeast strain, the mash bill, and how long you're letting it sit in the barrel. I think a lot of it's the yeast strain for sure. I think that's the unsung hero of most things. That's like the because that's the like biggest kept secret of each distillery, right? And I think the mouth feel comes from the entry proof of the of yeah. the uh you know barrel. That's, I think the lower you can tell like the lower entry proof bourbons and and whiskeys I feel like have such a better mouthfeel. That's something that personally for me I have learned throughout like my bourbon journey is that places that or distilleries that have a very low entry proof seem to be my jam big time. Viscosity wise for sure cuz you love that mouthfeel. Yes. But here's the interesting thing as a lot of conglomerates have come in and taken over these smaller distilleries or taken over these larger distilleries. What's the first thing they do when they come in and they take over? They want to create the most bang for their buck, right? Mm-hmm. They want to get the most return on their investment. So what do they do? Well, shit, we're putting it in at 115 into the barrel. If we put it in at 125 in the barrel, then we're going to get a lot more bottles per barrel because right. we can then proof it down afterwards. That 53 gallons is going to go further because we're proofing it down now to 90 for their flagships. So I think that's that's one of the biggest changes most places do when they come in and take over a place, like Diageo when they took over Stitzel Weller. Um, you know, I think even Maker's Mark has changed their entry proof recently. And, uh, oh, I didn't know that. Not Maker's. recently, but like, you know, recently since 1897. Oh. <laughs> um, and then... Semi-recently. Right. And I think Buffalo Trace has done the same thing. I think they've all done it over time. As these conglomerates have come in, Sazerac now owns Buffalo Trace. Can't imagine they haven't come in and run numbers and said, hey, we bump our entry proof up. We're going to make a lot more money. Right. Um, and, you know, same thing with Heaven Hill and all these big distilleries. I'm sure... That that you know what used to be a lower entry proof for most bourbons has now gone up over the years. You know, for one, there's a trend in the industry that people are wanting you know barrel proof type bourbons and whiskeys. But for two, it's just economic supply and demand. Well, man, economically, you know? it makes more sense for them. I agree. Each barrel then produces more bottles mm-hmm. of the flagship stuff, the regular you know shelfers. <clears throat> and I just think that 
you know, when, when that's from a business perspective, I get it from a consumer perspective. I'm not, I don't well, like it. Let's say for example, when we go back to uh, a bar that serves dusties and you have like an old Austin Nichols wild Turkey, the mouthfeel on that is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's just had that, uh, that, that lower entry proof. It doesn't require as much water to cut it down when they put it in the bottle. And that viscosity is just phenomenal. Um, and then you go to a wild Turkey today still tastes great, but it's just not the same. It's just not the same. There's no. just a little bit of a different mouthfeel are the processes and the, and the, and the, um, consistency probably better nowadays. Probably. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine, I can't really speak to that, but I would imagine they are, but just the product as a whole, in my opinion, you know, if you're not. If you're not com- worried about consistency, I feel like the product as a whole before was better. Look at the legs on this in your glass. Yeah. Do you still... One of the things I used to do when I first started drinking neat was I would go back to my glass after it was empty and, and smell. And you would get so much oak when you do that. Mm-hmm. And I still do that to this day. Because I love... Even when you don't get oak in the original nosing, if you, you do an empty glass, you, you, do. Get, you get oak. And it's crazy. Is there an estimate, not estimated, but like whatever hypothesized age statement on this? I mean, it's at least four years, right? It's it's at least four years. That's correct. I would say it's probably six or older. I was thinking six to eight. I, that would be my guess. I mean, it's at least four years old. That's all that matters I think it's older me. than that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it probably is. <clears throat> I, I would assume it probably is. Um but, you know, I don't think they necessarily commit to that like Eagle Rare does, for right. example. Um, even Blanton's has gotten lower in age. You it used to be an eight-year age statement, and I think it's down un- to like six, under six now, yeah, I suppose. that I've heard, too. So, um, but you still get some really good bottles of that every once in a while. i got to trade some Blanton's. I've got so many fucking ends right now. Oh, you do? I could maybe trade with you. I, I think don't... I have three of the in, like with, the, with the, colon? the colon. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and I, I've, I don't know this for a fact but i've heard that's a harder one to find it's not they're all distributed evenly yeah I, they, that's why i'm always like i don't believe say any that, of that but shit it's not true um all right let's let's do the single barrel this, we might cash this guy i don't know cash me outside how about that uh, you know that bitch is like a millionaire and you know what's funny she's a millionaire from OnlyFans, and she doesn't take off her clothes I, i've heard that's crazy. i've heard she makes millions not even taking her clothes off i'm like why would you want what would you give a shit about her I have no idea. What would she have to offer outside of staying, like, I'm like outside much? of taking her clothes off? I think there's enough just, to have, like, one more pour out of this. Like, I'm trying. You can just cash it on both pours right All now. right. I'm not worried about it. It's the only single barrel oh. I've ever had of E.H. Taylor, but whatever. I'm not trying not to spill a drop here. It doesn't have to fucking be perfect, man. It just does have to be it. perfect. He's like going back and forth between the two to make sure we get an even pour. I'm not that concerned, man. I need a... uh... We just cashed my first single barrel. So let's talk about the first time I ever bought this. Okay. So That's pretty good. I was getting into bourbon. I was still kind of drinking it with some ginger ale every Mm -hmm. once in a while and and some ice and stuff. When you... Not to segue. When you fly, do you always get a ginger ale? Yeah. I do. Every time I fly, I got to get a ginger ale. And Tyler thinks we're weird for that. He's weird for yeah. not doing it. And you it. know what cracks me up is he loves, everybody loves Raymond. Mm-hmm. Every episode that that Raymond is drinking anything, it's ginger ale. 
ginger ale is just refreshing. It's so good. Like I love ginger ale. It's made out of real gingers. I love ginger ale. I mean, there. I mean, sorry for all the redheads that have to yeah. die for the making of it, but I like ginger ale. What was it? I was. I'm gonna make this quick. I was flying one time, and so my girlfriend's like a strawberry blonde, so like she's a ginger for sure. Okay, and I was like, I'll get a ginger ale, and I was like, she's got enough ginger, just give her an ale. <laughs> no one thought it was funny, but me. No one. That's terrible. You know what am I? So speaking. She's of like, like, you're retarded. Well, you can't say that word, but you she was like, you're well, stupid. She said it. Yeah, not you. Not me. No, can't, no, no. Cancel her. Hey, yeah, cancel her. Um, so one of my favorite lines ever. So Fletch. Oh, Chevy Chase. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah, yeah. Fletch Lives, not so great. But Fletch Lives was still a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Had a, a whole bunch of great one-liners. One of my favorite one-liners, and actually this was... Shit, was this Fletch Lives or was this vacation, uh, European Vacation? Oh. Shit. I don't remember. I think it might be Euro- European Vacation, actually. It, it's either Fletch Lives or it's European Vacation. Big Ben, Parliament. He's sitting in his on the plane... And uh, they come by and ask if he wants a, a Coke. And uh, he's like, oh, sure. And she goes, do you want that in the can? And he looks back at the bathroom and he goes, no, I'll have it right here. <laughs> but like total, total That's Chevy Chase comedy. such a comedy, Chevy Chase comedy. Right? 100%. But he just look, he like pauses, like contemplates it, looks back to the bathroom. You know, you just know he's looking back at the bathroom just by the way he does it. And he's like, no, I'll have it right here. And it's just like. One of those things that if you're not really paying attention, you just don't catch it. You have to like his style of humor too. It's almost that's like him. he grew up in the Mel Brooks age. Like, yeah. Like for example, History of the World Part Two is coming out on Hulu, and uh, it's a TV series, and uh, so there's going to be episodes of it. And I remember growing up watching History of the World Part One. We always, my parents owned a, uh, a VHS rental place, and oh, so cool. they would always bring home movies for the weekend and. And I remember, like, so it came out, I think, in 1981, which means it probably came out on VHS in, like, 1983. I was, like, eight years old. Yeah. They bring it home, and we watch it. Now, I didn't get a lot of the humor in it, but, you know, I watch it again, and I've seen it a few times since, and I was watching it, actually, when you came over just to prepare for the uh, the new one. And there's a, there's a scene. You know, you have a five-and-dime store, right? Mm-hmm. There's a uh, – so instead of a five-and-dime store – they have the Roman numeral five and X, you know, so five and ten yeah. uh, store or something like that. It said it said V and X uh, market or something like that instead the, of five and dime store. It's those little subtle jokes, right? It's just those little things yeah. that you kind of if they don't say, "Hey, look at me." It's just like the camera's panning across and you just see that, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Okay, that's pretty good." That's some of that you Monty know? Python stuff was yeah. like that too. Oh, I loved Monty Python, the loved Holy that. Grail. That Benny was Hill. a great Benny one. Hill was Benny great. Hill was funny. Oh God, I love looking back at Benny Hill because, like, in British today's, so good. you could never get away with the shit Benny Hill did with like pulling oh. women's tops off and oh, like, yeah, it was crazy stuff. <laughs> so masochistic, but. Yeah, absolutely. So and then that great music and it's like, it's. Shit, you messed it up. That's not how it goes. I can't it's, do it right uh, now. I can hear it in my head, yeah, but I can't replicate it. I've got it. it as a ringtone on my phone, actually. Oh, that's great. Um, but no, so I lived in England, and I was a bartender for a minute. And uh, one of the things, I lived in a, a bed and breakfast, and there was a show over there called Faulty Towers that was about a, a bed and breakfast. So as a group, the people that worked there, we watched that show all the time while, while I lived over there, and it was hilarious. Because we were like, oh my God, this is uh, this is us. This is 
the uh, you know the the faulty towers basically. So here's Benny Hill. Yes, I can just imagine it like everything being like fast forward, right? Because that's how it always is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like running around, getting chased, and yep. So I loved the show growing up. It was always on like late, late night on like a Friday mm-hmm. or Saturday where we were growing up. As a little kid, my dad, my dad watched it all the time. Too. Right, I was a little kid. My dad watched it yeah. all the time, and like I didn't get half of the oh, shit. Oh sure, you didn't. But I just always remember that music it's and him like, like the Carol Burnett show, there running was, around and it being yes, fast forwarded. Right. Uh, Carol Burnett show was another one where there was a lot of sexual humor in it. But as a kid, you didn't know that. Just like in some of these Pixar movies, there's adult humor in it. Oh, absolutely. But you just don't know it as a kid until you watch it and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. But the kids have no idea. It's just cute, so they don't care. But, uh, boy, we really segued on this. We did. Back to the Colonel Taylor. No, no, no. What was I talking about? I think we've covered Colonel Taylor, man. I meant like the single barrel. We're on single barrel. Single barrel. This smells fantastic. So let me just say this. You're getting a little aggressive with that handshake and that almost went out of the glass. I am. One thing I will say, in my history, this is the only single barrel E.H. Taylor I've ever had. Oh, you were telling the story of how you got this barrel, and I, yeah. or bottle, I'm yeah. sorry. And then you jumped in and told like four fucking I quick, did. quick stories. Oh, I this did. will be quick. This will be, be quick. quick. This will be, be quick. quick. Ten minutes later. <laughs> so uh, when I first started getting into bourbon, I was drinking with ginger ale. I would have some neat once in a while, but it was mostly ginger ale and, and ice. And then I would get these. I would go to on the drop days where there'd be like maybe five people in line. Now it's like 20, you know? Mm-hmm. But there'd be like five people online, and then they'd have E.H. Taylor. Um, so E.H. Taylor would be, you know, sitting there, and you'd grab one. And you, I loved the little container. I was like, oh, this must be something special. Yeah. So I would grab it. And it was, you know, $40 in Columbus. And then I'm, I go through the line one time. I see, oh, they've got E.H. Taylor. And so I buy it, and it's like $60. I'm like, what the fuck? It was just $40 last time. Didn't know I got a single barrel. Had no idea. Get at home and I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh shit, this is a single barrel. I was like, cool. I don't like it as much as my small batches. This will be, I think, my first time having the single barrel. But it's I the only had... one I've ever had. And with single barrels, they can always have a different taste to them. Yes. You know, batch to batch or barrel to barrel, I should say. So let's see what you think. Plus, it's oxidized, it's sat in there. This is probably a four year old. Bottle. Something just fall. No, uh, that that uh, blanket just kind of adjusted. Okay, I was like, am I seeing shit? Um, so this is probably a four-year-old bottle. It's taken me this long to get through this. I'd say it's at least a four-year-old bottle, 2019 for sure, because it was before we started the podcast. To me, this is just me. The smell is the same the as the small, yeah. but it's more robust. Uh, it's, it's more pronounced. It's got something else to it besides the butter and the toffee. There's something else lingering back there that I can't put my finger on. I'm trying to... I'm on the internets looking this up because I can't remember. But the E.H. Taylor collection... What about it? I ordered an E.H. Taylor at... It's in Grandview, across from Rye River Social. Not Rye River Social, Agave and Rye. Barrel and Taps. No. The right, Grandview Cafe. Right beside Grandview Cafe. Oh, the one across the street where we did our episode with yeah. the... Yeah. Oh, the... It's not Broadway. What is it called? Uh, shit, we Bur- did... 
Yeah, we we've done three episodes. I can't think there. of the name. Regardless, four episodes. There, I ordered actually. an EH Taylor from there, and I thought it was small batch, but it was something else because it was really expensive. And I was like, oh fuck, but whatever. Yeah. And it didn't, for the price point, it didn't hold up to the small batch. And I guess that's kind of my point. Whatever, maybe it has a blue writing on the label. And that's what I was trying to remember. Which one has the blue? Well, there's small batch or single barrel. Yeah. There's barrel, barrel proof, proof. There's rye. That's uh, what I'm looking at now. There's the storm, like the tornado. Tornado. One. That's insanely expensive. There's the uh, amaranth of the gods. There's um, a four grain. There's a seasoned there's a wood, grain, cured yeah. oak. Yep, yep. All those that you're talking about right now. Um, so anyway. Yeah. The uh, I'll figure it out in a minute. The place that uh, I would so I got this single barrel. I had no idea that I was getting single barrel. I had no idea there was a difference at the time. That's how newbie I was to it. That I had no idea that that's even what I was getting. You know what I mean? So like, I just thought I was getting H. Taylor. I was like, oh, it's another one of those ones in the canister. Oh, that's kind of nice. I'll grab one of those. You know, and had no idea. Really had no idea what I was getting. It has a lot more spice on the end of it. This one does. It still has the same initial, um, no, that says sour mash bourbon on the blue. It wasn't that. I'm misremembering it's uh, at it, this point. It's okay. it, it doesn't matter. It's yeah, a, don't worry about it's it. It's a moot point. Um, it's, it's a moot point. It's a moot point. Um, this has more spice on the end of it. Again, it's like a rice spice. It's not an ethanol. It's like a rice spice. I I don't dislike it. I think I still like the small batch better. If this had maybe like literally one drop of water in it, it might disperse that out a little bit, and I may do that in a moment. I'll do it right now. No, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna drink it down a teeny bit. Cafe round two. Yeah, there you go. Cafe you, round two. You were bugging me. I couldn't fucking remember. I hate when I fucking can't remember that. Me too. Like. Did you taste it yet already? Well, I know you've had it before, but I'm curious what you think with just a teeny splash of water. Small batch, man. I don't. The nose is good, but it had the. I think I like the nose better. It's more pronounced. It's the finish. Oh yeah, that's so much better. Is it? Shit, so much better. Oh my gosh. And I just did like a small little. I'm gonna just, go with like the finger flick. Oh, well, you might want to do a little more than that. I did. I did more than a finger flick for sure. Um, I'll. Can we just do the same thing? I did yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 this is too big of a water container. I'll fucking dump half of it in there. That's that was perfect, actually. I felt like it was actually. I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think honestly, it made a huge difference for me. It completely changed it oh yeah right it spreads it out across your tongue more that's just crazy it's almost like like, they had they were stuck making this 100 proof well screw it we have to it's an eh taylor it's got to be 100 proof it's 95 proof now right you know it's outstanding outstanding oh we we dove into my russell's uh oh your russell's blend oh my god i want to have a try that before i leave yeah do that um i so it's like my that is Rudra, my fucking Rudra like holy grail. Rudra popped the cherry on it. He nice. just came and he's like, "Oh, what's in there?" And I said, "Oh, that's my uh, Russell's Infinity Blend." I was trying to fill it all the way up. He's like, "Ooh, that sounds good." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead." 
Look at it, I, I mean, it, it was pretty good. Look at the color of that versus whatever your other. I think well, isn't that a just Buffalo, Buffalo Trace? trace. Yeah. Look at the color difference between those. It's My crazy. God. Well, it's sitting in front of. Well, they're both kind of sitting in front of a black canister, I guess. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, but it's also one fourteen proof, right? So I mean, mm-hmm. versus what's Buffalo Trace ninety? Ninety. So and that makes sense, but just it's it's. <sighs> It's like an amber. There's like a little red. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to no, describe. I agree. It's it's good. Um. Oh, Old Line Spirits just shipped out. Oh, the cask string. That's awesome. Yeah, I've got to ship his shirt. It's been up. Yeah, weeks especially I, the Arnold just uh, blew me off, man. I, Thursday, I'm gonna, yeah. Right? <laughs> Thursday, I'm going to um, ship it out to him. I've got to. That's that's great. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty pumped for him to get that shirt, and I just keep putting it off. I. <laughs> I'm thinking about sending my Buffalo uh, Bourbon Hunters uh, Kenzie Dram too with it. Yeah, you so, might as well just put it in the package, yeah, and I'll probably wrap the shirt into it and around that's it. That's a good idea, it and then put it in a bubble wrap container or something. So, um, so if you had to guess, without the water, which one of these did you like better? I would say small batch. Yeah, me too. With the water, which one do you like better? I think the single barrel. I do too. Yeah, I had the sing the single barrel with the water. Just a, it's amazing a, how much it changed it. It's a small splash, and it was just like, ooh. And that's, how do I want to say this? I know sometimes I give people shit for putting ice in their bourbon, but sometimes it's just that little bit that waters it down. I guess I don't like ice because as you get towards the end of something, it's melted so much yeah. If I have it, ice, because, well, here's the thing. I got to chug it if there's ice in it. Right. Because what happens is, is at the beginning, you've got a decent amount of bourbon and a piece of ice. Yes. And a little bit of the ice melting makes it taste and good. And it's perfect. But then as you get to the bottom, you're almost more water than yeah, you Yeah. And that's when I don't, it's like, ugh. I agree with that. That's what I, I that's my problem with it as well. What if so. we had limited water ice, like minimal ice, minimal water ice? Well, that's kind of the was idea kidding. behind I the whiskey stones. Saying. That's kind of the idea behind the whiskey yeah. stones. It chills it, but it doesn't actually water it down. Do you think there's some precipitation that um, accumulates on the those whiskey stones at all? I mean, I don't know how they could. They'd be sitting inside of the whiskey, so how would it precipitate? No, no, no. When it's in the freezer, like think of a piece of I like. I think so. Like you, you see, like things that get freezer burn, where they get like ice that accumulates on them. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe though, but I, I've never. Whenever I've pulled mine out, I've never seen that. I guess that's why maybe I like the ice ball, like the molds. Yeah. As opposed to like a few cubes better. Yeah. Because they don't seem to melt nearly as much. But you can't but drop one of those in a Glencairn. You got to have, you know, like a rocks glass. Right. No, I I agree with that. Um, I hate when uh, they don't make. There we go. Okay. I was in uh in or Facebook and it wasn't letting me download a photo. And I hate when they do that, but that wasn't the case. I just I don't know why it wasn't letting me download it. I'm impressed how much I like this with a uh, yeah, little yeah. bit of water in it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's it's it really made it taste better, I feel like. Um so, yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. So, um at the end of the day, it's bottled and bond day. I mean, how else? It was bottled and bond day. When this releases, it won't be bottled well, and bond day. Well, that's fair. You're right. We're, we're a week behind. So. Yeah. 
But when you know when you're, how else would you celebrate Bottled and Bond Day? There's nothing else really to to do except for drink E. H. Taylor. Completely agree. In my opinion, I mean that's a that's this is a great idea. Yeah, it's so, better than my idea that I had. Yeah, I don't even remember what your idea was. It was that bad. No, uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I, I just don't remember. I was just sitting there thinking. I was like, oh, Bottled and Bond Day. I'm never going to complain about like, do you want to drink some E. H. Taylor? Uh, no, let's not do that. How often do we actually get to record an episode on the day of something like this? Agree. So, without Tyler. And without Even Tyler, better. Right? So there's that. There is that. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining in for another episode. We are coming up on the hour, so it's probably better than just listening to us ramble for uh, another 20 minutes, which we could do, and we probably will after <laughs> we get off here, but uh, you don't need to listen we'll to it. We'll save you that. So join in next week when we have on the uh, peeps from Virgil Kane. They're going to join us next week on the episode, and uh, we're going to drink some of the stuff they sent us, which is some of their newer offerings. So didn't Martel want to come for that? He is coming for that. Nice. So uh, join us next week when we record that episode, and uh, we will uh, talk to you guys then. Thank you for uh, coming in to Happy Bottled and Bond Day. Enjoy. Thank you. Thank you for joining in for yet another episode of The Bourbon Hunters. If you like what you hear, please leave us a good rating on Apple, Podbean, Google, or wherever you are listening. It definitely helps us to get great guests on our show. And follow us on Instagram and the Facebooks to keep up to date with what is in our glass. As always, sit back, grab a pour, kick up your feet, and enjoy some bourbon. Bourbon.